this podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics like self-improvement, business, health and beauty, and random thoughts about life from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. Do you need help starting or resetting your priorities? During the month of September, in addition to my regular episodes, I'm having a September self-care series. This series is going to focus on getting your mind, body, and soul a much-needed push to start or get back on track. I've got some amazing guests discussing topics ranging from healthcare to career development that will motivate you to take action. This series is going to leave you feeling inspired and ready to invest in yourself. You're worth the risk. Are you enjoying the Hustle and Faith podcast? If so, please be sure to rate and leave a review. Doing so will help others discover this podcast. Thanks again for your support. It is very much appreciated. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Katie Lovett. Katie is a registered dietitian nutritionist specializing in gut health. She is the owner of Nourish and Thrive, a nutrition counseling service focused on helping women nationwide nourish their digestive systems and get back to thriving in their everyday lives. Welcome to the show, Katie. Yay, thanks so much for having me here, Tasha. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, when I came across your website, I loved everything that I saw on there. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Absolutely, yes. So I am, like you sweetly said, a gut health dietitian, and um, I live in Texas and have three little kiddos and a husband and a fluffy puppy dog and a fish named Arlo. And <laughs> I I love life and people and connection and food and, um, you know, have been on this path for, you know, quite some time now where I'm helping people be able to do all of those things and, and feel their best and have those connections and lives, um, that they were meant to have by really, you know, liberating them from these gut symptoms that are holding them back. So, um, you know, I kind of say, it, this work is so enjoyable and it's such a passion of mine, but it's almost like another spouse or another child, right? Where you just like, it's just a part of me. So I really, really love it. Fantastic. Fantastic. So who or what inspired you to become a dietitian? That is a really great question and kind of a funny random answer. I didn't really know what a dietitian was, um, went to college and had no idea what I wanted to do, which is honestly a bigger problem for a much different conversation on another day about how these, you know, young kids, young adults are going into college without enough life experience, even though what they want to do. And then they're going straight into college, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out their life mission. So true. Um, but anyway, so I went in and went with a friend and we, she was a mass communication and journalism major. And I had been on the newspaper staff with her and I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like newspaper was fun. Let's do this. And so 
we got there. And um, that spring of my freshman year, you have to take a science without a lab. And so I'd done a whole semester of school, wasn't like super vibing with communication and journalism. And, um, but I mean, what do you do? Like nothing else is really calling out to me. And so that spring of my freshman year, I had to take a science without a lab. And I happened to choose nutrition because I, you know, you're looking at the list and you're looking at what sounds the least painful, right? It's not, not part of your major. And I was like, yeah, nutrition sounds cool. I like to eat. And so I did it and I ended up absolutely falling in love with that class. And it just opened up this whole world of how food is, you know, helps promote health or promotes disease, you know, and dysfunction. And I was like, this is really cool. So I changed my major that next year. It actually made me take another year to graduate um, because I didn't start out that way. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's what led me there. That's fantastic. And, and, you know, it's interesting that you had to kind of like stumble into that particular course I oftentimes wonder a lot of our doctors out there, do they not have to take those classes too? Because it it amazes me how it seems like when you go to a doctor, they don't have anything in terms of dietary suggestions to offer. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Oh, Tasha, you know, it's like, you know, um, we, so the way that, so I went to the university of Oklahoma and Uh the way that they have it is the health sciences center is a different campus up in Oklahoma Uh city, a bigger city with bigger hospitals. So you do your undergrad work and then you apply to get into whichever program. So that's where the dietitians are, physical therapy, speech, medical school, dentist school is all up in Oklahoma City. And so I got into that program and was, you know, taking my nutrition courses and the medical students are right there. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, these medical students receive 6 hours in their entire 4 years of nutrition education. And at OU, it's actually the nutrition students who are teaching the medical students their nutrition course. So at least that's how it was back when I was there. Maybe things have changed, but you know, it's just the medical students are having to take such a broad perspective and a broad approach and learn so many things about everything and the way that our medical system is set up, you know, we're really just, you know, covering up symptoms and, you know, cutting things out and taking a pill to quiet these symptoms. And that's the way that our medical students are being taught, you know, to do things. So it's not even their fault that they don't know. And so the best that they can really offer you is really basic advice. Um, unless they've, you know, gone on and it's been a passion of theirs to learn more, right? Like they have the skills and abilities to go do that. So I'm not saying this is true for every doctor, but most doctors going through medical school have almost no nutrition education. Oh my goodness. That that's so disturbing. And that that also brings me next, uh, brings up the next question here. So how often do you feel that gut health issues are dismissed or misdiagnosed? And I feel like you touched on some of that already. They don't necessarily have to take those courses, which is interesting. Right. (laughs) It's a lot. And the problem is Tasha is, um, you know, these patients will go into the doctor 
And let's just like set up the stage a little bit. Let's imagine this doctor's office, right? Like imagine the waiting room. It's normally pretty full and a little chaotic. They tend to always be running behind, right? And it's because the doctors, I, I, one of my best friends actually is a colorectal surgeon. So she shared some of her experiences with me from that. I love doctors. My in-laws are doctors, like no doctor hate here. (laughs) They just have a specific, you know, tool set and nutrition isn't one of them, but we're relying on them. It's really unfair for them to go Mm -hmm. to them for these, these questions and getting help in a space. That's not their specialty. Mm -hmm. Um, so you go in, these doctors are actually, you know, they're supposed to be seeing 30 to 40 patients every single day. I work with 30 30 to 40 patients in a year, right? Because I provide a really deep level of support. And so that's why you go in and their sessions are 10 to 15 minutes long. Like what can you really accomplish in 10 to 15 minutes? You know, you're like barely skimming, like, tell me what's wrong. How are you doing? Yes, good. No, bad. Like what, what's going on? Here's a prescription. Good luck. Hopefully it'll help. (laughs) That's the best they can do. (laughs) You know, know, I mean, if that's the best they can do, they've got a very limited amount of time. It's just, you know, they're, they're having to meet all of these guidelines with, um, productivity and, and the number of patients being seen, which is a whole other issue, part of, you know, the insurance model and all of that. Um, but they're just really ill-equipped. So you ask me, how often I feel gut health issues are dismissed or misdiagnosed. And my answer is a lot. And mm-hmm. I think it stems from a couple of things. Of uh, first of all, if somebody obviously has gut symptoms where you know they're bloated, and I know that you know we're probably going to go into this here in a minute, so this will mm-hmm. probably be a good segue. But you know they're bloated all the time, or having diarrhea, or constipation, or heartburn, or nausea, or losing or gaining weight, stuff like that. They'll go in, and you know they'll get referred to a GI specialist typically. Um, GI specialist typically has a couple of tools and that's about it. And those tools are, let's do a colonoscopy or an endoscopy and let's check and do a stool test and see if you have any bad bugs, you know, any bad bacteria, parasites, stuff like that. So if you go in and do a colonoscopy or endoscopy, you know, maybe they'll see that you do have like an inflammatory bowel disease, like a Crohn's or an ulcerative colitis. And that gives them something to work with, but their experience and knowledge is still limited, right? They're only basically able to say like this medication protocol is the best, you know, that we've been experiencing or seeing in our patient's experience, you know, take these medications and maybe they knew, know some nutrition information too. specialists, typically because they're more specialized, they have the bandwidth to go deeper on that topic and may be able to make some recommendations, but it's still not their specialty. Mm -hmm. So that's like the best case scenario sometimes is the doctor can find what's wrong with you, but honestly, it's the worst case scenario, right? Like who wants to have inflammatory bowel disease, which is a chronic condition. Um, the worst case on that, you know, end or, or no progress towards your, your goals are getting better is you go do these tests and the doctors are like, nothing came up you look fine. You look normal. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like maybe you're experiencing the symptoms. Maybe you're not, maybe you're making it up. Maybe you're being dramatic. Maybe it's in your head maybe it's stress. Like, I don't know, you know, again, 
go see a psychologist or a counselor, which can be helpful. Um, take this medication for IBS, like you've got IBS. And IBS is actually a diagnosis of exclusion where we don't know what's wrong with you. So we're going to call it IBS oh is basically what that is. I'm so <laughs> glad you said that. Okay. So yeah. one of the reasons why I was drawn to you as well is because I, and this was many moons ago, like I actually, I think it was, I was definitely before I was 30, I had a colonoscopy because I was having some major issues with my digestive system. And to your point, didn't find anything, basically told me it was IBS. And that's when I started on my health journey. And I ended wow. up coming across a nutrition, a nutritionist, kid you not, these doctors couldn't help me. A nutritionist, told me to take some probiotics and gave me some other and, and suggested, Hey, you need to start doing some enzymes, papaya tablets, mm -hmm. all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, in a <laughs> I kid you not, the turnaround was ridiculous. Got better. I felt like a new person so in less yeah. than a week. Yeah. And I went through all of that. So you've experienced no it. <laughs> you've I, I experienced, experienced it firsthand. That's why and I that, was drawn to you. So yeah, I was just that like, colonoscopy what? prep is not for the faint of heart Ooh. either. It's not fun. You I know, did. I do I'm encourage that again. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do encourage people to do it because it is good to rule other things out and just make sure nothing like that you do need a medical intervention. I'm not against medical intervention. I think, you know, antibiotics and medication saves people's lives every single day, but it can't be the only approach. It can't be the only thing we do. And so, you know, even somebody who does go into that colonoscopy and they have Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, they still need other support besides medication to help exactly. get them in remission faster, keep them in remission and just be more healthy overall. Um, so that's kind of the bucket that's, we kind of went off on a segue, but you asked how often gut issues are dismissed or misdiagnosed. And that's where people think they, they, or no, they have actual gut symptoms going yeah. on and they're seeking help. But I think there's this whole other category of people that are experiencing gut symptoms or symptoms of a dysfunctional gut. And they don't even know it because mm -hmm. we don't understand the importance of the gut and the digestive tract and how much it can affect everything else in the body. So you have this whole group of people that are suffering from gut issues that don't even know that that's what the problem is. So they're going out to all of these rheumatologists and, um, you know, specialty doctors for autoimmune conditions, you know, or whatever else is going on. And really the actual problem is inflammation in their gut, you know? And so they're again, treating these symptoms, but they're not actually figuring out why the symptoms are there. So what are some red flags that people should be on the lookout for that may indicate that they actually have an issue with their gut health? Yeah. So that leads us right into that. So obviously I touched on a couple of things, mm -hmm. um, where it's like, if you have obvious gut issues, you know, if you're married or have family and they're like, what is wrong with you? Like you're in the bathroom yeah. all day. Like that is not normal. Like that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty clear sign, right? That you have something. Um, if it's interfering with your life and I feel like people, 
can take this on and carry this burden with them for a really long time because we just get along and we just make do and we're like oh I just can't eat that food anymore oh yeah mm, I don't go on trips anymore because my stomach kind of bothers me and it's like we just Mm. accept it we just settle and accept it and you know if you find yourself if you're listening to this you're like oh my gosh that's me you know that's that's a good sign um I've had people come in and say, you know, say they're having diarrhea or, you know, even constipation, typically constipation, people realize it, but diarrhea and they're like, oh no, I'm not bloated at all. But then after working together for a little bit of time, they're like, holy smokes, I'm, I was super bloated and I feel so much better now. And I just didn't realize how bloated I was because it had been such a long time or it was a really gradual onset. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that, um, with the constipation side, you know, most doctors will say, as long as you're having a bowel movement three times a week, you're fine. And I disagree with that. I think that it's a lot more complex, you know, people, you know, it's your body's way of detoxifying. It's really best to be going to the bathroom every single day, not straining, not having urgency. So it's not just about how often you're going. It's like, how is it, you know, like, are you straining? Are you, you know, having to run to the bathroom as fast as you can get there? Um, mm-hmm. is food repeating on you, you know, you get really full feeling or nauseated from a very small amount. Um, like I said, you're cutting foods out, you know, mm-hmm. of your diet gradually over time. I get honestly, pretty frequently people will come to me and they're like, they can list on five fingers, their safe foods, you know, and they're like, yeah. this, these are my safe foods. These are the foods I, I can eat and feel comfortable with. Um, if you're headed down that path and it always starts out with one or two, right. And then it's like, gradually sure. they can tolerate less and less. Yes. So those are all the more like obvious gut symptoms, but some other more subtle things, um, are, you know, autoimmune conditions. If you have psoriasis or thyroid, you know, hypothyroidism, it's most likely Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition. Um, eczema, even other skin issues, acne, um, all of that fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, um, those can all be, oh, absolutely. Because 70% of your immune system is in your gut. And so if your immune system is what's being, you know, acting up with autoimmune conditions, you need to look at your gut and see how your immune system is locally there in your gut, because it's such a huge makeup of your overall immune function. Um, yes. So any of those conditions and then, you know, migraines, brain fog, depression, Mm -hmm. um, autism is, has really strong links to the gut. Um, The gut is known as the second brain. So any of those like neurological disorders or dysfunctions, it's always great to look back at the gut. It's even thought that, um, you know, in Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, um, you know, you get these plaques in the brain. Um, It's actually been shown that the plaques first are appearing in the gut. And they're moving wow. upwards via the vagus nerve into the brain. Um, so yeah, they're, they're being called like type three diabetes and all of that, like the diet, you know, neurological dysfunction connection is getting really, really strong. So yeah, I've, I've said before, you know, people will ask if their gut is involved. And I've, I've said, you know, it's a much better question to ask how the gut is involved because most of the time it always is um, with, with these things. Wow. Well, you definitely hit the nail on the head there because uh, I, I never thought about like skin, like acne issues because yeah. I have eczema. So it's kind of funny. I I mean, you can't tell anymore, obviously, but um, 
I, I just never thought about that being linked to the gut because I had wow. eczema before, you know, I did the colonoscopy and all mm. that. Over and the world, away. But you healed your gut and it went away. Yeah. Yeah. I just never knew two and two together. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm excited about that. I, I did not know that. So again, folks are clearly learning a lot from the conversation that we're having. I'd love for you to go into a little bit more detail about what is your approach to nutrition counseling? Yeah, I love that you're asking this question. And I think there's different, you know, types of people whenever it comes to nutrition and gut health, there's the people who have been in it for a long time and they're really well-versed with a lot of what I'm saying. They've been researching, they're listening to experts, all of that. And then there's people who don't really know, you know, maybe they've mentioned it to their doctor. Mm -hmm. Their doctor told them to drink more water, eat more fiber, you know, and exercise. <laughs> That's basically the extent of the help that they got. Yep. Um, so you have these like two ends of the spectrum. So I'm going to try and answer your question in a way that, that is understandable for both. Um, so I take a holistic approach and we set it out first with mindset and how we're coming into this. And the reason I do that is because just like anyone who tries to make a big change, right? New year's resolution is a great one with a diet or whatever, you know, we were so excited at first and we're really into it and we're really positive and we know we can do it. And then over the next probably month, right? Maybe two months, um, things start to come up. Mm -hmm. challenges get in the way. We lose that excitement. We become discouraged. And then, you know, six months into the year, we're no better off than we were, you know, most of the time. Yeah. And that is the same with gut health. Um, you know, a lot of the time and people are coming in trying to kind of white knuckle these changes and they're really, really hard and they're getting discouraged. And what happens with that is people either aren't able to stick to changes um, or feel like they're so extreme that it's not right for them, or they can kind of overdo it and are like, I have to stick exactly to this protocol. I cannot deviate what at all, or else my gut will flare and like my body will completely revolt against me. And what ends up happening is they create a prison of protocols. So before their gut symptoms were keeping them imprisoned, and now they're just in a different prison of their own making from, from these <laughs> protocols and controls. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know which one's sadder at that point. <laughs> I know it's, they're both so sad. So um, we want to avoid, you know, imprisonment. Our whole yeah. thing is freedom, right? We want to get you free. So we, in order to do that, we need to spend some time visualizing what it is you want to accomplish, what you sure. want your life to look like whenever you heal your gut, what you're going to do, you know, and that then guides our, um, you know, our protocol and our roadmap towards gut healing and everyone's is going to look different. Some mm -hmm. people, you know, really, really value, you know, going to dinner with their husband once a week at a restaurant. And so we need to come up with a plan that helps them get better and feel better and also still be able to do that, you know? And so yeah. it's, it's really personal. We incorporate the mind and the spirit and the body, um, we include functional testing. 
So this is different than what the doctors are able to get, which is honestly frustrating that it's not available to them. Um, but you know, it, it's not, most of these lab companies don't bill insurance, um, because, uh, you know, insurance is just, it, it's honestly kind of, a, it's working off of an outdated system. Right. And, sure. um, so we're looking at a functional test. So the one that I run on almost everyone is looking, it's, I always say it's like taking a magic school bus inside of your gut. It's like the next best thing. You're not just looking for ulcerations, like in Crohn's or ulcerative colitis you're looking at what is your digestive markers looking like? Like, how is your digestion even doing? Are you digesting proteins? Well, are you digesting carbohydrates? Well, are you digesting fats? Well, um, and then what is your inflammation levels, you know, and it's taking multiple markers of inflammation. So you're not missing inflammation. You know, most of the time a GI doc is going to look at a calprotectin level, which is diagnostic for inflammatory bowel disease, but it's only like a 10th of the, the picture, you know, so maybe yeah, someone's calprotectin yeah. is okay, but then they have these other three or four inflammatory markers that are high. So if you're just testing calprotectin, you're missing, you know, inflammation and you're telling this person that they're okay and they're not, you know, so it's looking at that it's looking for pathogens. So it, it, those are the bad guys. So it's looking at bad bacteria, yeast overgrowth, candida overgrowth. Um, it's looking for, um, parasites, all of that. And it's also sequencing your microbiome. So that means it's looking at the DNA of all of the organisms, um, in your large intestine and is putting numbers on them. And we have a lot of research telling us like optimal levels for these different types of organisms. And so we can look at it and say, oh, this one's a little elevated. This one's a little bit low. We know, you know, whenever this one tends to overgrow, it can cause this type of inflammation. And this is how it's connected to these other symptoms you're experiencing. Um, really oversimplification of it, but, but that's yeah. what I do is I go in and look at these test results and I'm able to get a really good understanding of what is going on. Like what's the lay of the land inside of your gut. Um, so we do that on pretty much everyone. And then from there we can do any additional testing that we feel like we need. So we have SIBO testing, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth, um, <laughs> where those organisms move up from your large intestine and they're not bad organisms but they're in the wrong place. So they're in the small intestine and it can cause a lot of bloating. Um, SIBO is actually responsible, they think, for about 70% of IBS cases. Wow. So it's, it's pretty significant and it's treatable. Um, so yeah, so we'll do a SIBO test. We can do a micronutrient test, stuff like that to really get a good understanding of where is your body at? How is it functioning? And where, what are the gaps? You know, what do we need to fill in? So that's really the the gist of it. So, and the, the client and myself partner in it. So the mindset piece, like you're the only person who can do that for yourself, right? Like exactly. I can't go in and tell you what you want to accomplish. So you yeah. need to know what you want to accomplish, how you want to get there. And then I come alongside and bring my nutrition expertise and we come up with, um, your gut health blueprint, um, and then review everything. And that's where people really have this breakthrough moment of like, Oh, this is how everything is connected. Um, and then they be can become the version of themselves that they were intended to to be and created to be and have the impact they were intended to have on the world. Amazing. Amazing. And that's actually the perfect segue into the next question. What is the one thing that your counseling session has done for your clients that you didn't expect? 
And I, I had to think about this question for a minute, whenever you first told me that you're going to ask it, um, <laughs> I was like, Ooh, one thing. Um, I think it's something that at first surprised me and now I've come to expect it in my work with patients and they are surprised by it now. Um, but I know it's going to happen. And that is the breadth of the impact of the work that we do together. And the impact on their lives. Whenever I first started out in my private practice, it was so straightforward and cut and dry. Like, oh, I'm going to help people reduce their stomach pain and, you know, like gain confidence sure. in foods and be healthier. And it was just this really like vague idea of like, oh yeah, it'll, it'll help their lives. Um, but I'm going to like help them improve their digestive symptoms. And, um, what was surprising was these people, you know, I have one client where she said I, she'd had the same job for about 20 years, maybe even 30 years. And she said, my, my bosses know that I'm sick and they can't give me too much responsibility. And oh. she would come home from work at the end of the day oh. and collapse into bed and take a nap every single day. Oh, and wow. Tasha, by the end of our work together, she was asking her bosses for more responsibility and actually took a promotion. Um, oh. Like that's profound. And then she was teaching her entire family about making healthier choices and cooking healthier meals that are going to be supportive of health and became this beautiful role model and leader in her family. Like just the extent of this work surprised me. And so now I expect that transformation in my clients' lives, even if when they're first coming to me, they're just like, I just want you to help me, you know, feel better. <laughs> like, I just want you to help of me get course. rid of the bloating and, you know, not be constipated or not have diarrhea. And I'm like, you know, that's what I, honestly, it's kind of a challenge because people who are trapped in that space have such a hard time even imagining the so profound effect, right. That that's this so can true. have on their lives. So it's, it's really being able to watch that transformation. That's, that's the most surprising and beautiful thing. Oh, that's fantastic. Absolutely. And I, and I know how that person felt because once you figure it out, especially if you've gone to so many people yes. and, and I'm being honest, a, a lot of these doctors, you, you think that that's where you're supposed to go. I'm being honest. I was helped out more by folks like yourself, dietitians, nutritionists. I, I, I just, it's amazing to me. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. guys are magical. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So what are your top three foods or even supplements that people should consider incorporating into their diet and why? Yeah. So the first one is not going to be a food or a supplement, but it's just ah. a thing. Okay. <laughs> I hope okay. that's okay. okay. Um, it's a thing um, that is really, really helpful. So I mentioned a minute ago on this test, we can look at your digestive digestive sufficiency. So how well you're breaking down your protein, fats, and carbs. Okay. And you had mentioned you're, you were doing these papaya extracts, which are a form of digestive enzyme. Um, super helpful. I lived on those things during my second pregnancy, but I had the worst heartburn. <laughs> they were, it was so helpful. Um, but actually you don't even have to eat a different food or take a supplement to have an improvement in digestion a lot of the time. Mm. So there's something called cephalic digestion. So C-E-P-H cephalic, like your head. And it's that 
digestion begins in your brain with the idea. So whenever we are properly eating, it's, it's some people will call it like food hygiene or eating hygiene. Whenever we're taking care about the way that we're eating, 20% of your stomach acid is actually produced before you take your first bite of food. And before you say, whoa, 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 I thought stomach acid was bad. Like we're always trying to lower stomach acid, right? Because of heartburn. It's actually the opposite. That's true. Stomach acid. Most of the time, if someone's having heartburn, they're not having enough stomach acid and that food Mm. isn't getting broken down and moving through the digestive tract because their body isn't releasing enough stomach acid. So Mm. stomach acid comes in, helps kill bad bugs that, you know, maybe in your food because it's super acidic, right? So they can only live in like a certain narrow window. Um, so the stomach acid comes in, kills bad bugs, helps break down to food, uh, the food, and then it um, stimulates this contraction of your stomach to push the food down into your small intestine. And our small intestines don't like high acidity. They like things to be a nice neutral pH. So our pancreatic enzymes that are released by the pancreas and the gallbladder, they're all really basic. So you're in order to release those digestive enzymes, the presence of high acid has to be there to trigger their release. So if you have not enough acid going into that small intestine, your other digestive enzymes aren't released properly either. So it creates this whole problem, right? Like it's, it's such a beautiful orchestra, you know, whenever it was designed to work, like it's amazing. So I would tell people, you know, thinking about how you're going to eat, like think about the delicious food before you take a first bite, let your mouth water. That's a sign mm. of stomach acid is being released. Eat in a really relaxed environment, which, you know, can be challenging. Sometimes we're in a rush a lot of the time and yeah. just shoving a bite in before we're off to the next thing. Okay. Um, but just really savoring food and enjoying it and being happy and joyful in the moment and really all of, you know, chewing your food really, really well, that can do a lot to help. I've had people come and tell me like, who've worked with me, like this has been the most helpful thing so far. And so I'm like, I don't want people to come pay me for me to tell them to to enjoy their food and chew really well. So, (laughs) So that's always my top tip for free everywhere is like, do that really promote digestion from the beginning of your meal. And you're going to notice an improvement in, um, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, all of that stuff. Um, so that's one. And then the next option or the next recommendation is going to be vegetables, right? We don't eat vegetables in America. We just don't. And not just the same thing every day, but a variety eat a rainbow. You know, I challenge, I actually have a free rainbow tracker um, on my blog that you can go download, but I, um, always tell people, you know, just track it for a week and see, um, where you're at, where your baseline is with color and, um, Mm. challenge yourself to get every color in, in a meaningful amount, you know, not just one bite so that you can check the box off, but in a meaningful amount every single day or as much as possible, you can even make it a fun challenge with your family. You know, that's something your kids can even get in on is like, I'm going to eat the whole rainbow, you know, today and check it off, you know, before you do or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so really all of that, like those nutrients in food are critical for processes in our body. We expect our bodies are amazing, but they're not 
magic. They can't just magic nutrients out of thin air that we're not putting in. If only it were that easy. If only it were that easy, but it's just not, you know, like it just, our bodies need certain ingredients to make certain things happen. And so we need to really supply those. And we know that vegetables are the best way um, to do that. And then um, let me think, I think I'm going to do the next one is going to be spices and herbs because these are little Mm. nutrient powerhouses and we don't eat a lot of them. You know, a lot of the time people are just seasoning with salt and pepper because that's kind of how we've grown up, but using, you know, turmeric and cumin and, you know, basil and mint and. Oh no, my family, we're all on this seasoning. I love (laughs) it. it. (laughs) I love it. I think it probably depends. Yeah. Like on from family to family too, but, you know, squirting some lemon juice. And a lot of the time, if people people will taste something and they're like, oh, it needs more salt. And what it actually needs is acid. And so squirting a little bit of lemon juice or lime juice on something can actually completely transform the flavor profile of the food. So I think, you know, spices and herbs make food more delicious, but it's also really, um, you know, potent, potent nutrition in there. Fantastic. Fantastic. So what is your favorite meal and exercise? Yeah. Uh, so I have three really little kids. Um, and so right now I think my favorite meal is one that I don't have to cook that tastes delicious and is still hot when I'm eating it. (laughs) (laughs) You're not asking for much. (laughs) I'm not asking for much. Um, but no, my favorite, I love like a perfectly seared steak and vegetables. Like I love that. I live in Texas, right? We love our steak here. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Really, really high quality, juicy, well-seasoned steak, maybe some, you know, really delicious roasted vegetables alongside of it. Give it a good glass of wine and it's perfect. (laughs) Simple, but (laughs) simple, but flavorful and high quality is, is where I'm at. And then exercise, I danced growing up and took a break. It's kind of hard to take dance classes as an adult. Like there's not as much opportunity, but over the summer, I just started taking ballet again. And so I've really enjoyed reconnecting with that and getting back into that. Fantastic. So what makes you feel inspired? Hmm. I get really inspired in quiet space in nature, you know, going on a walk in nature at sunset. Um, I just have all of this freedom to just think and ideas just pop into my head and make connections that maybe I wasn't otherwise able to make, you know, so that's, that's the space that I just really love and, and savor. Oh my goodness. As, as a city girl, I I agree. I love go out and just be among like the trees and listening to the uh, animals. I, I I love that. I think that's, that's awesome. So, so yeah, important. you and I feel inspired in the same area. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I know we're a little bit more than halfway through this year, right? So if you had to choose one word to represent your goals for this year, what would it be and why? And I love that you asked this because I did not set a word for this year. I, in seasons of my life, sometimes really sit down and and map out my upcoming year. And honestly, with the last couple of years with really, so my youngest is one. So I, you know, we're just, we were just kind of surviving and and getting through and enjoying the time. And that's fine. I think too. Um, But I have a word that I hadn't 
claims, <laughs> if you, okay. if you will. Um, and that word for is, for me is impact. And it's the impact that I want to have on the world through this work, um, in my kids' lives and my family's lives and how I'm showing up with them and loving on them and the impact that I'm freeing my clients up to be able to have in their world. And whenever I think about that, it's just like this beautiful ripple effect, um, how everything is connected and, you know, I'm impacting them so they can impact others. And it's so beautiful to think about. Oh my goodness. I love it. I think you're the first guest that I've had that said impact. So I love that. I Good. really, I love that. Love that yeah. so much. And your explanation, absolutely beautiful. And I couldn't Thank agree you. more. Thank you. <laughs> so last but not least, What's the best piece of advice you have for women who have a hot mess gut <laughs> and want to transform their lives? Yeah, and I I love hot mess gut, man. It's good. <laughs> and it's what it is. It can take over your life and it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's the first piece of advice I would have is it doesn't have to be this way. You know, we were talking a lot at the beginning about that's how it feels a lot of the time is this is the way it is. Nothing else can be done. You know, we don't see anything mm -hmm. wrong with mm -hmm. you. We don't know how to help you. And the way that we're, you know, conditioned in our society is to go to the doctor for help. And then whenever those doctors aren't able to provide the help that you need, you can feel stuck and you don't know where else to turn. So I would say advocate for yourself. It doesn't have to be this way. Seek answers and you know, the best step to get going is how I encourage my clients to start out. And that is to figure out like dream, you know, figure out what it looks like for you to get better. And then your action steps, your next steps forward will come to you from there, but figure out where you want to go and what you want to accomplish and the impact that you want to have on the world. And then go from there. Oh, I love that so much. I Katie, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I, I really, I learned a lot and I know the audience did as well. So I just want to once again, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I've, I've loved talking with you and just getting to share and educate and appreciate you sharing your story too. I think it's going to be really meaningful for your audience and, and it, it was perfect to be able to talk to your experience too. I love that. I, again, thank you so much for coming on to the show. And for those folks that want to connect with you, what's the best way they can go about doing so? Yes, the best place to find me is over on Instagram. And I think you're going to post probably the link, course, but it's um, at the underscore healthy gut, all one word underscore dietitian. And here in the US, we spell dietitian with two T's and not a C. So people, <laughs> if, you, if you type it into the C, you may find someone over in Europe. <laughs> um, so I'm over on Instagram a lot, you know, send me a message, tell me, you know, that you heard me on the podcast and, and I'd love to connect and start a conversation um, over there. Fantastic. Once again, Katie, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Tasha. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy listening to Hustle and Faith and would like to support the show, please consider sharing it with your friends, rate or leave a review, donate, or make a purchase at Starring You Crew, our fitness apparel shop. Remember, if you're everything to everyone, the risk being no one. You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode.
If you've ever been curious as to how many mistakes I made while trying to record an episode, (laughs) well, you're about to find out. Check out the blooper reel. So today I have the amazing pleasure of speaking with Katie Lovett. Katie is a registered dietitian, nutritionist specializing in gut health. She is the owner of Nourish and Thrive, a nutrition counseling service focused on helping women nationwide nourish their digestive systems and back to thriving. Oh, wait. Ah, darn it. I messed that up. Sorry, sorry. Let me do it. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) I was a little rusty. So, all right. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Katie Lovett. Katie is a registered dietitian, nutritionist specializing in gut health. She is the owner of Nourish and Thrive, a nutrition counseling service focused on helping women nationwide nourish their digest. I cannot say that word today. Okay. (laughs) Nationwide, nationwide nourish their... Oh my goodness, this would mess me up if I was doing We this need to have like an end. outtake at the end. You know what? I probably will add this as an outtake if you don't mind. I love it. No. I could do not. I do this. And a lot of times when you do voiceover work, you end up having to repeat, but like doing yeah. the, nourish. Why can't I say nourish? That's it's so the funny. nourish their digestive systems. Okay, get it together, Tasha. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I never have this much trouble. You should get it right. The second take at least. Okay. You're All right. That's funny. You're good. You're good. Deep breath. 